In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, through the Sundays of Easter, we have gotten readings from the book of Revelation. And so Revelation often gets thought of as just a mysterious book about the end times, a book that one has to decipher and figure out, or maybe not even read at all because it's just too hard. But I want to start with this idea that Revelation is not simply a book we have to decipher about the end times. Rather, it's a book given to us that reveals a reality that may not be obvious to the world. And so the visions given to St. John in the book of Revelation address the question of what is really real. What is really going on in the world? And what is this world going to come to? Our reading this morning, then, comes near the end of the book of Revelation, and of course also the end of the Bible. And we get this beautiful picture, this beautiful story of what is to come. What is this life, what is this world going to come to? And even in this passage, we get almost a sort of mission statement from God. God who is seated on the throne says, see, I am making all things new. Well, that's the end point of history for us Christians, is that God is making all things new. All things will be made new. The age that we currently live in, I think it's obvious, is one that two ages exist in conflict. So there's this present evil age that we live in, which sin has dominion. But also as a church, as Christians, we believe there's also a new creation which was started by the incarnation, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. And so we live in this time that's kind of an already, not yet. We are already new creatures in Christ, but not yet are we entirely free from sin. We live in an age in which Christ has triumphed over death, but not yet are we free from the pain of loss. We live in an age in which God makes himself present for us in word and sacrament, but not yet do we see him face to face. And so when we read Revelation 21, we should note that it's describing our future hope, that which is yet to come, but which has been started in Christ. It is pointing to the culmination of what God has begun in Christ. And so Revelation in Revelation 21, John points to a new creation as the goal of God's redemptive purpose. The resurrection of the faithful in this text is joined with the resurrection of the world. In fact, verse 1 of what we read says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Right, the vision we are given of what God is doing encompasses all of creation. So God's final purpose for us is not just for us to die and to be happy souls in heaven. We don't become angels when we die. We don't float around on a cloud or something like that. Rather, the image, the story that we're given is that God is going to make everything new. So God is going to make our bodies new. He's going to make the earth itself new. God is going to redeem all of creation. Everything that has been touched by sin, it awaits redemption. And so to understand this and to understand the Bible, we have to go back to the beginning. 
You'll remember in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve sin in Eden, that humanity and creation are cursed. They're touched by sin. In Genesis 3, God says to Adam, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Creation itself, the earth itself, becomes part of our mortality. In this life we work the ground with all the toil and pain that comes along with that work. At the end of our lives, we realize that we also will be joined to this very ground. And our bodies themselves will become part of the earth. And so all of our work becomes a reminder of our mortality. In fact, even what we eat is entirely connected to death because everything that dies returns to the ground out of which our food comes. Life and death are mingled together in this age. We cannot live without being touched by death. The good news, the gospel is that God says no more. God says there is coming a day when he is going to make all things new. And in fact, he has already started in Christ. He is going to make a new creation in which the earth, the earth itself is no longer cursed. He is going to make a new creation in which the earth is no longer cursed by death, where our labor will only be joyful and productive. The earth will no longer be a place where death and life are mingled together, but it will only be a place of life. And that is the hope of the vision that we're given. In the new creation, there's an absence of powers that oppose God and that diminish life. We see that in the new creation, there will be no sin, no death, no crying, no pain, no mourning. God promises to wipe away every tear, and he says that death will be no more. Death and all that opposes God, all that opposes the goodness of creation, are going to be destroyed. And just as a new creation is marked by the absence of anything that might oppose God, the new creation is marked with the full presence of God. Verse 3 says, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and be their God. In other words, no longer will God be hidden away from us in any way. Right now, God comes to us through his word, he uses preachers, mere men and women, to come to us. He uses bread and wine to come to us. He uses the waters of baptism to come to us. And God comes to us in this age through means of creation. He uses imperfect men and women. He uses common bread. He uses common wine. He uses plain water. And through these things, God brings us his word and his promise as the Holy Spirit opens our hearts to receive them. But there's coming a day when we will not know God just through preaching, just through sacraments, but we will know him face to face. In 1 Corinthians, St. Paul puts it like this. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. 
All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Life in this age is not yet perfect. In this life, we do grow in faith. We do begin to show the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We begin to understand just how good God is and how much he loves us. But there's coming a day when this will be completed in us. When there won't be good days and bad days. There won't be victories and losses. There won't be joy and pain. Rather, there will only be God. There will only be good days. There will only be victories. There will only be joy. And we will dwell in the presence of God. We will live with him face to face. And what happens when you see God face to face? Well, you yourself will be made entirely new. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis, they knew they could not face God and they tried to hide themselves. But now, in that new creation, you will be able to face God and you will not face him as a sinner. But Revelation tells us we will face him as a child, as a friend. And all that we know, all of the pain and loss that we've known in this life will be transformed in his goodness. And God in Jesus Christ is making all things new. He's making all things new, including your pain, your tears. He's transforming them into glory. But most of all, and most fundamentally, he is making you a new creature. In Jesus Christ, he is dwelling with you forever. He is making you new along with all of creation. Amen.